I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about Chase Bank uncancels General Michael Flynn, public communist indoctrination schools, America Can We Talk Summit and upcoming special shows, and Biden's team divided. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. Yesterday on the show, I reported the story that Chase Bank had canceled the credit cards to, for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. They actually did it via letter, sent a letter to his home, notifying, addressed to his wife apparently, but notifying them they were canceling their credit cards because of reputational risk to Chase Bank. Chase Bank is worried that they, they're providing credit cards to Lieutenant General Flynn made them look bad, made Chase Bank look bad, was a reputational risk to the bank. Well, in a very short period of time, that decision has been reversed by Chase Bank. They've now said, oh, sorry, that our mistake, you know, we made a mistake, your credit cards are not canceled. I'm glad that they corrected it. And I just wanna say that I do think is a, a few great lessons to be learned for conservatives. Number one, and I drive this point home all the time, leftists play for keeps and leftists play on every arena of the battlefield in America. If they can humiliate and embarrass a political opponent, such as Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, they will do it, whether it is having protesters outside of his speeches, running stories that are not true, or in this case, going to his bank. And these are my presumptions. I have not seen this proof, but I do not believe Chase Bank board woke up one morning and said, you know what we ought to do? We ought to cancel the credit cards. Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, leftists organize their opposition to anyone who dares speak against them in countless ways that conservatives never even think of. So I'm going to guess leftists went to Chase Bank and said, you know what? You are embarrassing yourselves. You're, you're perpetuating the evil, the outrage of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn and his efforts to bring attention to vote fraud in this country, to election fraud. And when those leftists mob, the leftism just is a mob, they approach Chase Bank, it's easier for Chase Bank and countless of other corporations in America to capitulate to the leftists, to do what they want, to avoid being themselves a target. As long as Flynn's a target, not Chase is the target, you know, fine with Chase, they decide to cancel his cards. And then they realize, I think what, and again, this is my speculation, but I think what happened, because I can tell you just in my show, I got comments, emails from listeners saying, I'm going to cancel my uh, Chase credit card. I'm going to stop using my Chase credit card. I think Chase saw a dip in the use of their own credit cards just in the period of time that information was out there. The story was out there that they had canceled Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's card. And they decide, you know what, we're going to lose business over this. Who knew that the right is more or is, is this organized? I think they decided, Chase Bank, cut their losses, do a, do a U-turn right then and say, you know what, because the statement they issued didn't say how the mistake happened, just said, oh, a big, grave mistake, so sorry about that, you know what, we're not really canceling your credit cards after all. The reason I'm suspicious of Chase Bank is because 
it wasn't like the letter said, you know, we are changing our terms of service. Uh, you have failed to pay your credit cards on time. Um, you're carrying too large of a credit line. There was no statement that blamed anything about Flynn's conduct in justifying their letter saying they're canceling his cards. I'm going to guess that a card from a bank like Chase Bank saying they'll suffer reputational risk by giving a credit card, not giving, providing a credit card to a paying customer. I don't think very many people in the world have received such letters. It is so odd, so unique, so extraordinary that Chase Bank put this out that I do think it was a targeted decision that they, Chase Bank, wanted to send a message to Flynn and be able to satisfy the leftist mob that showed up at Chase Bank and told them to do something to Flynn. Don't help Flynn. But I like they came out on the right side and said, as, as it turns out, I think we're either 24 or 48 hours later, Chase Bank saying, never mind. But the final point I'll say in this first five is this. Conservatives, just basic America-loving, Constitution-supporting, freedom-loving Americans. I almost hate to even use the term conservatives. Just American-loving people. We are more in number than the leftist mob in this country. We're a lot, we're a much bigger number. The leftist mob in this country is louder, more aggressive, more tenacious, or my word I love, more relentless. They never stop pushing their agenda, but they are in the minority. Corporations in America, other businesses, people in America have to realize they actually have the capacity to stand up and fight the left if they'll just organize just this little bit of Chase customers saying, you know what, actually, we're going to not use our credit card while this is happening. I think it was just that that turned Chase around. But in any case, the good news, moral of the story after yesterday's story is that Chase Bank has indeed decided they just made a mistake, sorry about that, a mistake in canceling Lieutenant Flynn's credit cards. Moral of the story to conservatives is fight back. If a company like Chase Bank does something like this, stop using your Chase credit card. Wait until they correct the situation. Same with all the other corporations that are relentlessly targeted by the left. Those corporations in America, in my view, is the majority of politically active corporations in America, relentlessly succumb to leftist pressure, not because they believe the leftist agenda, not because the majority of their board members believe the leftist agenda. It's because it has been politically more expedient and economically, business-wise, more expedient and safer to salute and surrender and capitulate to the leftist mob. Conservatives need to show corporate America the best plan they could possibly have is stay out of politics and do your job, run your business, provide your service, produce your product, stay out of politics. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. I call this next segment Public Communist Indoctrination Schools. And I want to, um, many of you may have seen this. I picked, I don't know, maybe it's three or four minutes of a clip that was a longer recording made, again, by Project Veritas. This just fabulous organization, Project Veritas, in which they recorded an interview they had done, an undercover interview with a high school teacher in California. This, by the way, this teacher, you see him in just a moment. I want you to hear what he said to Project Veritas. This is a teacher who is teaching seniors in high school, teaching them advanced uh, American government. I mean, I mean this, is like, this is like the, the AP 
advanced courses for kids who are really successful students and do well in school and get to take AP courses. So this is a guy the school district had put in charge of, and apparently still is in charge of, teaching high school students AP American history. Have a listen. How do you do that? How do you... I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. How do you do that? How do you scare these bugs out of them? Sacramento organization that is under the banner of Antifa is, is very loosely organized, right? Um, so that, yeah, when when there is like right-wing rallies and stuff, then we like, we'll create an opposition to that. Yeah. Beautiful. Where would you go to connect to some of these organizations? Like, no, I, I post a calendar oh, every week. Awesome. And then, so like, they, it's and I do it for extra credit. So they get points for doing it. Like, and so that encourages them to do it. <laughs> and I've, I've had like students show for like protests, community events, you know, tabling, food distribution, and also all sorts of things. They, when they go, they take pictures, they write up a reflection, that's their exercise. Like, I, I have an Antifa flag on my on my wall, um, and a student complained about that, and he said it made him feel uncomfortable. Well, this is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable, so if you feel uncomfortable, I, I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> like, maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the, the values that it, this is antithetical to. So, the Cultural Revolution in the 60s was fixing the problem that came about after the economic it ultimately failed, right? Um, there was a lot of excesses. People were definitely, like, you know, shot in the streets that probably shouldn't have been. Incredibly ugly behavior come out of this city. And you can see a couple of people over there that might be demonstrating that. I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. So for, for you, that, like, so let's say my son, my son is pretty... Yeah. Uh, that, that do be 17. Who um, want to get plugged in though to actually doing stuff in the community, to activism. Can who, who Where would he go to connect to some of these organizations? Like people that are interested, are there flyers or something? No, I, I post a calendar oh, every week. Awesome. Yeah. So but for the organizations that you mentioned, yep. so they can get That's yeah. dope, man. And then, dope. so like, they, it's, and I do it for extra credit. So they get points for doing it. Like, and so that encourages them to do it. <laughs> Because I, I can't just like, hey, here's some things, but they'll never go, right? Um, and I've, I've had like students show for like protests, community events, you know, tabling, food distribution, also all sorts of things. So I, I, since I work with PSL, and PSL has connections with a bunch of other organizations, um, and also like Sacramento Peace Action, which is like a very old organization that posts a calendar on their website every month of all the events that are going on, and I just put them on my whiteboard. Let them know where they are. They, when they go, they take pictures. They write up a reflection. That's their exercise. Uh, I, I probably uh, as as far left as you can go. <laughs> so like, um, I've gone down those deep dark rabbit holes where like the idea of like adventurism and just being like, why aren't people just like taking up arms? Like why? Are, and you know, we have historical take, take taking up arms like yeah. against the state. Like, it, and we have historical examples of that happening and them getting crushed and being martyrs for a cause. And it's like, okay, well, it's it's still going because it takes massive amounts of organization. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's hard. It's hard not to. You, 
make them revolutionaries. They've got TikTok. They've got right. Instagram, they've got this. Well, that's just it. It's like utilize that propaganda. Yeah. Right. Like these are all great tools on how to get. You know, it's like I've, I've met so many people in my life who, when they met me, thought I was like off the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. And now they're all Marxists. Right. You know, and I'm just like your your political identification changed. And I so I have a huge political spectrum in my room on the wall. So they take an ideology quiz and, and their unit four and I put their face, or they have to give me a picture of themselves and I put it on the wall where they are. Every year they get further and further left. And, and I've, I've made them pay attention to where my tack marks are. Because I'm like, these ideologies are considered extremes, right? Extreme times breed extreme ideologies, right? There is a reason why Generation Z, these kids, are, are becoming further and further left. Give you, are there a lot of teachers like you? I think there are more than there used to be. Um, and I, I think that, uh, like, there's three other teachers in my department that I did my credential program with. And they're rad. They're great people. Um, and they're definitely, like, on the same page. Okay, that guy's name is Gabriel Geip. And he is, as I said, a, he teaches the smart kids, the kids do it, who do really well in school, who are in AP American history. And you can hear what he's teaching them. And I have a bunch of points I want to make, and I really want to tie it into the point of my show, the purpose of my show. This show, America Can We Talk, is entirely about preserving the unique, extraordinary greatness of America. I never discuss, you know, sporting events. I don't discuss hairstyles of candidates, clothing choices. I I don't get into any, any of that stuff. I want to discuss with you, with the American people, the identity and the purpose of America. Before I respond to those many things you had to say, among the things I try to hone in on about America and, and help more and more people really see and grasp and just embrace is the idea that America as founded was not intended to be, it was intended to be a radical departure from every other nation in world history. Even those nations that had at some degree or some level become, begun according rights to people, had moved away from the monarchy a little bit, moved away from other kinds of um, dictatorial governments. America was intended to be extraordinary and unique because of the ideas behind its founding. One of those most central ideas as the very beginning of the Declaration of Independence is this idea that all men, meaning men and women, are created equal, and that we're endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, including, as it later expounds, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was not intended to be a choice, like a majority vote among the people who wrote the declaration. It was not intended to be a, an experimental notion. It was not intended to be a, you know, hey, let's try this. It was a, a divine revelation, in my view, a divine revelation, a perception these founders got that not only what they were writing, that all men are created equal and that we have rights inherently from our creator, inalienable rights, was, were not intended to just apply to the people who would live in this new country they were forming. It wasn't to be just for America. It was a recognition of an ultimate truth an ultimate truth that had always been true 
since life began, time began, and had always been true for every single individual. Wherever they happened to grow up in the world, whatever kind of government they had lived under, it was not a commentary about what had occurred in past countries. It was talking about the idea, as I say, a divine revelation that individuals have rights from God, from their creator, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the entire purpose of government is to protect those, protect those individuals, protect those rights. It was not, it was founded on this, and I want to, I'm using the word truth very uh, intentionally. It was not a, an opinion, and it was not a, uh, you know, cavalier adventure. It was a notion that we have rights from our creator because that's the nature of life. That's the nature of truth. That, that is what is true. And it has been true all throughout human history and is true because it's inherently a, it's a scriptural truth for sure, but it, is, it comes from the uh, Judeo-Christian scriptures. But it was a concept that, that they arrived at even by study of ancient philosophers. This, so they got this idea and they founded this country on that concept that each of us has rights and we are allowed to, we have the right to live in freedom and that the government, which includes freedoms in addition to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, includes other rights that were spelled out later in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. The entire structure of the Constitution is intended to protect that concept. And that concept of having rights included and was expanded into the right to freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, and included things like freedom of property rights. You, you, you can't really be free if you can't own anything, if you can't own your home, if you can't own your own um, property, your own car, your own, your own things. It's, it's an inherent part of freedom to be able to own things. Unless you stole them, then you don't own them. But if they are rightfully yours, then you own them. It also got carried into the idea of the Second Amendment. You have the right, anyone who's got the right to life has the right to protect themselves. And I'm getting around, I'm going back to this theme of my show, which I talk about in many contexts, because I want to make the point that America was not just founded on another you know, kind of ideological human um, adventure, you know, some kind of uh, adventure into new ideas of government. It was founded on that precious, unique precept, that foundational truth. And everything that flowed from the creation of America was intended to implement that, to protect that, and included, by the way, the idea of the creation of the Constitution and the separation of powers, the three branches of government, because that kept people more safe, more protected from tyranny, which is what the founders were complaining about with King George, uh, was the tyrannical way in which they, they were being treated by King George. So now back to our happy high school teacher in California. He's teaching very, I, I, I don't even know if everything, and he said many things I couldn't fit in the clip that you heard, and I have that clip on our uh, linked in our show, so if you want to come back and read or hear his entire um, diatribe, his entire answer to questions, he didn't know he's being recorded, which has the virtue of, therefore, you know, he was basically saying what he really thought. I want to make clear some points about preserving America that tie to what this teacher is saying. That teacher, clearly, it seemed obvious listening to him, he earnestly 
ardently, deeply believes in the ideas of communism. He's trying to make his students into communist revolutionaries. He says this. He's proud of it. He's proud of the idea that he is sending his students to be connected with all sorts of left-wing organizations in this country, urging, giving them extra credit if they go and they write a paper and say whatever their observations were. But at his core, he has, by the way, and I think this part wasn't in that clip, I'm not sure, but in his classroom, in addition to having an LGBTQ flag, you know, the, uh, the rainbow flag, he has a flag for Antifa, Antifa, which is the fascist organization, just, just impossibly hypocritically founded on, or the term Antifa stands for anti-fascism, and they are the fascists. Antifa, they are the fascists. But he's got the, the, uh, the fascist Antifa flag up, and he's got a picture of Mao Zedong. Mao Zedong, who was the author of the Cultural Revolution in China, who was the one whose imposition of the Cultural Revolution led to the slaughter of tens of millions of his own people. And this is someone he's holding up as, as, as a someone for his students to revere. As you heard him say, he is intentionally indoctrinating his students and commending them as they slide closer and closer away from uh, what he calls the far right, far left, and he's proud as they move down the path toward Marxism, Marxist ideology, and eventually to communism. He's proud of this. He is an American citizen, so far as I know, so he does have the right to have his own ideas. Everyone has the right to, you're, you're allowed to have ideas in America that are utterly anti-American. It's part of freedom of speech, freedom of thought. Free, you're allowed to do this. But what I really want to, the nub, the, the core of what I want to get at is this. That guy should not be allowed to teach public school. He should not be allowed to indoctrinate students into Marxism and socialism and communism. He's getting paid by the taxpayers out there in California to turn students against the ideas of America. Marxism, socialism, communism are utterly antithetical at their core to the idea of America. They are not competing similar ideas with similar, you know, uh, mutual equivalency of all ideas. You know, there's such a thing as freedom in America and, and capitalism. Uh, and then there's, you know, socialism and Marxism. And they're all kind of great competing ideas. That is not true. Because the left has pushed so far in this country, including having Bernie Sanders run for president twice and legitimize over his uh, presidential campaigns the ideas of Marxism and socialism and communism and trying to introduce them into American society as though they have a place in not just understanding and studying them. Sanders' point is these ideas should be embraced in America. These ideas should be followed in America. We should all become communists. This is the message, ultimately, of Bernie Sanders. And so it is, it's, the points I want to hit with you, and I just urge you to really think about this story. It's not just that he's a terrible teacher and should not be paid by the taxpayers to turn American students against their country. But it's important to understand, when he says, I am teaching them these Marxist ideas, He's saying, I'm teaching them to hate America. 
I'm teaching them to hate the idea of America. I'm teaching them to hate the American concept of rights from God and individual freedom and the right of the individual to live in freedom. Marxism, socialism, communism are all about the concept Nobody has individual freedom. It's one of the primary points Marx tried to say over and over and over and over. You don't have the right to own anything. You do not have individual freedom. You have how much freedom the government tells you that you can have. And the government decides and the government can change. It can change the freedoms you have. Marx went out of his way to attack religion. The concept not just didn't want to have, you know, uber religious people in government. Marx talked about one of the goals of going from Marxism to communism was eliminating the people's belief in God, in, in religion itself. He talked about the idea there's a need to destroy the nuclear family, to stop having people think they should organize society-run families. Individuals in Marxist lunatic view of the world was that individuals are just little carbon units who get directed by the government where to live, where to work, where they're allowed to go to school, what they're allowed to say, what they're allowed to do, where they're allowed to go. All of your life is run by the government because, in Marx's view, the government, under this higher idea of Marxism, would be a better vehicle to make things equal and fair. This teacher in California and every teacher who is promoting the ideas of socialism and communism is undermining America, is directly attacking the idea of America, is encouraging students to directly hate America. You can't be a Marxist, socialist, communist, any of those isms, you can't be a Marxist and say, I love America. You can love what you want to turn America into, but America itself is the country that grew out of the truth that the founders divinely revealed, that the founders laid out as a foundational idea of America. It's really important because we get lost in this discussion in America about well, everyone has freedom of speech and everyone has freedom of thought and there are people who are allowed to be communists. Yes, they are. But we need in this country to restore the clarity that America was founded on the foundational truth of life, which is that men and women are equal and they have rights from their creator because they were born. And the government is supposed to protect those rights. The government is not supposed to protect its own power to control your life. The government is there to protect your liberty. Foundational in Marxism was a concept, you must eliminate God. And one reason Marxists hate religion so much is because when people have a true faith in God and, and what the scriptures teach them, they're not so easily malleable, not so moldable. They can't be told what to do, what to think, what to believe, because their sense of truth comes from a higher power than some guy who happens to sit in a position of power in the current government. Their sense of ultimate truth is bigger and higher and better than some human being sitting in the office, in any office in Washington or in any state capital or any position of authority. Marxists hate religion because religion gives people the idea that they have rights higher than and inalienable belonging to them regardless of what the government says. 
So when this clown, this teacher, Gilbert Giles in California, is telling students that they are rewarded for their, their, their ideological drift away from freedom and into Marxism, and they get credit for that, he is teaching them to hate their country. I had a millennial tell me uh, months ago, uh, she was talking about why, she said, you know, I don't really think it's right, because she listens to my show. She said, I don't think it's right that you say that socialism is un-American. And it was in a context where I wasn't really able to respond, you know, couldn't have a full conversation. But I, I will say, this is part of what has to happen in America in order for us to get our, 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 our country back. We've got to be able, as American citizens, to say, yes, actually, socialism, Marxism, and communism are un-American because they are premised on the idea, sorry, losing this headphone, they are premised on the idea that government gets to control your life and you don't have any freedom unless the government says you do. That's what socialism is saying. You don't have the right to earn your own way. You don't have the right to achieve, to prosper. You don't have the right to be rewarded for your labor. You don't have the right to own anything unless the government tells you you can own it. Marxism, socialism, and communism are indeed antithetical to the foundational idea of America. Period. Full stop. You can't have both. You can't have America the free. America with the rights from God because you're born, America with rights to own property, the right to live in freedom, at the same time have Marxist and socialist and communistic ideas govern our policy. And we're at the most bizarre place in American history because what I'm seeing right now, I'm, I think there are plenty of young millennials who've gone through, sadly, classes taught by a, a joker like this guy in California and around the country and in colleges where they've kind of emerged thinking they are the new, the enlightened ones. Wow, we really have it figured out. We've been taught by these elitist professors in these great universities, and they're all telling us that communism is the future, socialism, Marxism are great. These are superior ideologies, freedom, and rights from God, and capitalism. Are that just old school religion, old school, something your parents told you about decades ago? You know, ignore that. This is the new world. This is where we're headed. And, you know, get on the train because it's leaving the station. This is what our young people have been taught. And so they hear some guy like that talking. They say, well, yeah, you know, maybe he's a little extreme, but you know, this is where we're headed. If we're ever going to get this country back, we need not only to remove teachers like that, most people, if they have any wherewithal at all, need to remove their kids from the public schools because what you heard, I'm sorry to say, is not some extreme bizarre example coming out of California. It is sadly more and more common than most people understand in small towns and big cities all over this precious country. So you send little Joey, little Susie to school and you think they're learning in multiplication tables and they're learning from the authorities smarter than their parents you know, your parents are kind of loopy about this whole freedom thing. America is a terrible country. You have now literature out there. People think they're becoming enlightened because they read things that tell them they should hate America, that America has a racist history, that America is the worst country ever, when it's in fact the best country ever. And you have young people who are not at all tuned into the reality of America's greatness. And this is really what the battle line is. I've been talking about in this show about the ideological war we're in. You, we need the people who understand America's greatness. 
and unique, extraordinary uh, promise to the world. You need those people to be in the leadership positions, challenging critical race theory in public schools, challenging social justice warrior agendas, challenging a teacher, teaching communism. And, you know, I don't know how you get there legally, except to say if the public schools finally get drained of enough students, they're going to have to change course. Because where we have it, unfortunately, right now, and I'll tell you one of the quick story in this segment has to do with the uh, woman who is the president of the largest public school teachers union in the country in Los Angeles, which she had to say just a few days ago in an interview. But I want to just wrap up and talk about this guy today. What you heard, he's unabashed because he doesn't realize he's being recorded and he's not even aware that what he is saying might be offensive to a mass majority of Americans because back to my point in my first five the majority of Americans are still with the idea of America the majority of Americans want America the free America the strong America the sovereign with the borders America with a strong military that can protect us America with a free market system where you can still strive and work and dream and achieve and succeed and then become prosperous that's why that's what people want this country to be the majority do I don't know what this joker is thinking America would become if his ideas were ever embraced, but you only have to look around the world, look at every socialist country in the world, every communist country in this world, check out living in Cuba, Venezuela, China, North Korea. They're both a problem of socialism and Marxism create economic misery. That is as, that is as true a fact as two plus two is four. Socialism, Marxism, communism create economic misery. Always, always embolden the government to become more abusive, more tyrannical, more intolerant because there's no check on their power. This is the point of Marxism to end the need for the people to have any say in the government because they'll make everything fair and perfect. Just let them do it. And this is what our young people have been taught in America. I I mean, I want to say... You can't get sufficiently intelligently outraged at what that guy was saying until you get more of the idea of America. And that's why I started this little discussion by talking about what America is. America is founded on an undeniable, inalienable, inviolate truth of the universe, which is the nature of man, men and women, is that we are born with rights from God. We have those rights. Whatever country we actually live in and whatever country uh, rules we live under, we have those rights. And that is the fundamental concept of America. It is the most beautiful idea of the creation of a country since time began, since there ever were countries. The most beautiful, extraordinary idea of what a country should be, and that is what America is. Is it perfect? No. Have we had mistakes and errors even in our founding? Sure, we had errors in our founding. We still had slavery. We still had women couldn't vote. But we had the idea right. And we made it better and better and better and better. What needs to happen in America, if you had heard some teacher being interviewed, being surreptitiously interviewed like that guy was, and that teacher was pushing, for example, you know, um, white supremacy or some other... Southern concept, everyone knows is evil. If you heard a professor, a a high school teacher, pushing white supremacy, everybody would get up 
out of their seats. Everyone would get up and say, that has to go. That's intolerable in public schools. That's intolerable in America. This is unacceptable in America. Yeah, you have freedom of speech, and so go say it somewhere else, but you can't say that in our public schools. That would be our answer. If he were talking about white supremacy, that has to be our answer. The same attitude of outrage when this guy is teaching young Americans Marxism, socialism, and communism, which are inherently teaching them to hate America. That needs to be the standard we bring to the discussion when we hear teachers are teaching Marxism and socialism and communism is just as evil as teaching our precious young people white supremacy or any other evil idea has no place in the public schools in America. You can teach about it as you might about white supremacy and say this is an evil ideology and it has no place in America. Same thing you could teach about Marxism, socialism, communism, evil ideologies, no place in America. But we need to get back that core passion for the ideas of America that just react with outrage and insistence that these ideas can have no place in the public schools. One last quick thing in the public schools, because I do have two other stories I want to hit. There was also this most interesting interview. Uh, there's a woman who's the head of the LA Teachers Union. Her name is Cicely, or C-E-C-I-L-Y, Cicely Myart Cruz, hyphenated name, Myart Cruz. She's the head of the United Teachers of Los Angeles, and she apparently rarely, rarely, rarely gives interviews. She usually will just send a typed list of her points when she's asked for an interview because she probably can't handle an interview. But in any case, she gave an interview in which she was talking about basically being asked, why in the world did you continue to push for the public schools to be closed and all these kids lost out on whatever it is, a year plus of education. They missed out on learning math and all the subjects you should be learning in school. And her answer was, there is no such thing as learning loss. Kind of an insult to teachers, I would say, but she says, there's no such thing as learning loss. Um, she says, our kids, didn't, um, our kids didn't lose anything. It's okay that our babies may not have learned multiplication tables. She's mocking them, the parents concerned. They learned resilience, they learned survival, they learned critical thinking skills, uh, unclear how they learned all these things. They know the words insurrection and coup. And she also wanted, she went on to say she viewed the learning loss as a fake, fake crisis, fake crisis created by the right wing. First of all, it's pretty insulting to all the teachers who actually may enjoy teaching chemistry and geometry and world, actual world history and American history and you know English writing, English literature. She's saying, ah, who cares what they, you know, those kids didn't need to learn that. And who knows what they learned? It depends what, who talked to them at home, what they learned at all. But her cavalier attitude, she's, she's looking at this last year of the shutdown which she was continuing to encourage. I don't even know the status in LA if classes are going on or not. But this lady is saying, ah, who cares if they, they, they missed a whole year of learning. She thinks they've learned something about uh, riots. And she's actually said they learned the difference between a riot and a protest and the words insurrection and coup. Well, you know what? I don't know what she thinks they learned, but when kids saw what was happening in our country over this last year, they saw the riots in the big cities. Yeah, they saw riots, all right. They saw riots. But the idea that she is so dismissive of the, of the importance of what kids learn in schools actually makes me wonder, what is she teaching in schools? What is she teaching, telling her teachers union members to teach? 
What are those teachers teaching? She thinks it doesn't matter that kids aren't getting their basic math and science and, and art, I, I, art, music, English, history. English. They're not learning any of that. I mean, she's kind of acknowledging the schools are an indoctrination center in LA because she doesn't really care if the kids learn the actual subjects they're sent to school to learn, but maybe they got more radical. That's what she's really saying. Hope they got more radical, more leftist. She's another one that needs to be out of our public schools. Again, I'm gonna wrap up this section on schools to say this, you know, all of this happened, all this public indoctrination of our students, our, our American children, by the public schools was going on really for decades before a lot of conservatives tuned into it and realized it. A lot of the indoctrination of turning our, our students into, uh, you know, anti-American, pro-leftist, pro-socialist, pro-Marxist, pro-communist thinkers, it was happening subtly in the schools over decades. It's really come to the fore, come to our attention, really in the last few years, Critical race theory is helping more parents wake up and realize, wait a minute, that's just Marxism. You're just teaching Marxism to my kids under the guise of saying something about race relations. It's just Marxism. It's inducing class warfare. It's intentionally creating division among people. So you have people waking up. So the idea of pull your kids out of public school more. In fact, I've seen stories now about teachers who have resigned because they're refusing to teach social justice warrior garbage, refusing to teach critical race theory garbage, they resign and parents are going to say, hey, 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 we'll hire you. So families banding together, hiring, you know, five or six families banding together, hiring a teacher, saying, yeah, come on and teach my kids. I'd like to have you teach our kids uh, at, at home, outside of what the school is teaching them. There are plenty of ways to get your kids educated without sending them to these indoctrination centers that are truly, truly harming America. That's all, not all I'll ever say about the public schools, but all for today. I want to quickly tell you guys about, again, I have two things coming up that I want to urge you to consider uh, in supporting this show. Uh, number one is we have a membership on this show. Uh, every, every Thursday is our membership uh, show, which is for members only. And when you become a member, you can watch our Thursday shows on our website. Our website, very easy to remember, americacanwetalk.org americacanwetalk.org. Go to that website on the homepage. You can hit the button right across the top. It says members. Hit members. It says join. You can join this show. And that means that you can be part of watching our Thursday shows. Our Thursday shows do not go out on any other social media. They only go out on my website. And on the website, you can watch that show on Thursday. You can email me questions ahead of time for our guests. You can email me questions at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. You can join our texting group where you can text in questions, but it's a very engaged, interactive Thursday show every week. Tomorrow, we have the very wonderful Dr. Peter McCullough. He has been among the most extraordinary doctors in America, speaking up, trying to address the COVID crisis, the COVID vaccines, the impact of the vaccines. He has been a, a remarkable leader among doctors in America, speaking up about what's going on with COVID and what the average person needs to understand and do. So tomorrow's Dr. Peter McCullough. The following Thursday is Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. He is running for governor in the great state of Texas. Uh, he's been on this show many times. You, Most of you, I'm going to guess, have heard of him, know him. He's coming on to talk about 
the issues facing Texas, critical race theory. Uh, you know, he's a black conservative Republican who has been a black conservative Republican for decades and decades, an outspoken leader. He'll be on the next Thursday. The following Thursday is Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. He is a gentleman who was the briefly the head of the U.S. Space Force. Uh, he was forced out of his job when he wrote a book about the idea that Marxism has invaded America's military. I'm reading his book right now. I urge you to read it. He'll be the guest the, the next Thursday. So join America Can We Talk. Again, go to AmericanCanWeTalk.org on the homepage. Members, join $5 a month, $50 a year, practically free. I also urge you, if you love this show, I love your support and just donating to support this show. As you likely have seen, we don't have advertisers. This show is listener supported. So if you're on the website and you'd like to make a donation, you just hit that donate button at americacanwetalk.org. You can donate to keep this show rocking and rolling. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate each and every donation. You can make a recurring donation or a one-time donation, but I need donations to keep this show going and to keep it commercial free. So please consider not only joining America Can We Talk, which is very inexpensive, but making a significant donation to keep this show on air. The other big news is we have our summit coming up. This is my second annual America Can We Talk Women for Freedom Summit. And it is this fall in Dallas on September 18th. It's a Saturday. Saturday, September 18th. You can buy tickets, again, on our website. You can go to americacanwetalk.org. And if you just scroll down the homepage, up will come this flyer that you can see all of our speakers. And then beneath that, it says purchase tickets. And there you go. And I think Matt the Wonderful has that available to show you. The, uh, there's a flyer for our wonderful summit. We've added a speaker since we made the flyer. Also, we have now joining us Frank Gaffney. He is the founder of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., a widely recognized national security expert. Just an extraordinary, extraordinary expert to have join us. So glad he could do that. Uh, great speakers are going to be hitting COVID, the border security issue, election integrity, Marxism in America, uh, you know, foreign policy, China. It's hitting the big issues facing America. It's going to be a great summit. I'd love if you could come. Go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and see right there. Besides, okay, do you not love our logo? I have to say it every time. I love our logo. You know, Lady Liberty, Women for Freedom Summit. You can go right there, events.americacanwetalk.org, and you can find that. Uh, you can find tickets and come to our uh, summit. So that's it on that. I want to urge you to join and all that. The last thing story I want to hit today, and I just want to spend a little bit of time on this, trying to explain um, something. It's kind of a funny thing. First of all, I want to urge you, if you don't do it, you should go to this website, which is called Conservative Treehouse. Conservative Treehouse is an unusual name, but Conservative Treehouse, um, and I think it's .com. Yeah, .com. And they are a, um, it's just an amazing source of information. An amazing, they never have short, you know, uh, lighthearted, it's substantive, serious uh, assessment of issues facing America. One thing they've been hitting on over and over and over on, on this Treehouse website is that, you know, we Americans, we sit back, we think we elect people, they go to Congress, they go to the Senate, they are in the presidency, and somehow they're all working together running the country. And we have in Washington, in addition to those elected positions, of course, we have many, many bureaucratic positions. We have people who are in, you know, the FBI, DOJ, the State Department, NSA, just all sorts of organizations 
that are bureaucratic in nature, and they're, they're part of the bureaucracy, and we Americans don't have any say in what those people do. So we have you know, a massive power structure in Washington, and sometimes things happen, and it is not necessarily clear who in Washington um, really was behind something, uh, which, which entity or um, uh, was behind something or orchestrated something. We try to think of one person to hold accountable. Okay, it's the president. Must be. Your pre he's in charge of everything. And I must show you, tell you that under Trump, the issue was that within this massive bureaucracy, there is this term, people use the deep state, whatever term you want to use, there are people who have been in Washington long before Trump arrived in Washington and are going to be there, are still there now, now that Trump is out, and they have been there a long time, and their positions, high-level positions in the bureaucracy of America, how they see their role, their view is, we really run the country. We get this president, he comes in, he says some things, policy, policy, yeah, 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 you know, but they don't really think that the president's running the country. They think they are the more intelligent, the more informed. They have more experience than the president. They've been sitting in this job or this department, whether it's State Department or NSA or any of the other institutions in Washington. They've been there longer than some guy or gal who got elected president. So they're really running the place. They're just humoring the president as they go along. And they also have factions within those divisions of bureaucracy. If you're really interested, I, I read these things on Conservative Treehouse. I'm telling you, they're a little in-depth to go into. I don't know that they would make for interesting fodder on a show like this because they get pretty in-depth. But I want to get around. So, But it's good to understand them. It's good to actually understand both of the. There's, there are at least two very serious, distinct factions in Washington, factions within the bureaucracy in the White House and those factions have their regular go-to left-wing media sources to which they make leaks. So they make leaks uh, and because they know that they're, 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 you know, whatever division they're in, if they've got these particular outlets, newspapers, media that will, that will you know, share the stuff that they do. So they, they, that's how they, they put out the leaks they want to put out. So I want to tell you that as you may have heard, um, I didn't actually listen to Biden's speech directly. However, um, he did um, say in his speech, essentially, uh, that there was a, um, that there had been uh, an organized departure, essentially, he tried to claim that our uh, removal, our leaving Afghanistan was organized and orderly, which everyone just was looking at him thinking, what in the world are you talking about? But he also said, essentially, that you know, this, this uh, power that Taliban has, you know, that Taliban's, uh, the moment American troops began to be pulled out, you know, the Taliban emerged and they suddenly took over and they're now pretty much running the country and, you know, much to the chagrin and the loss of the role of this, uh, you know, American propped up president of Afghanistan, who's also uh, flown. He escaped. You know, he got to escape. But the point is, Biden was trying to say, you know, who knew? I mean, you know, we, we tried to help and we were there and, you know, we had no idea that Taliban would emerge um, uh, as, as so victorious as they did and so quickly. Um, and actually, as it turns out, um, there are a series of text messages and, um, and actually a phone call between um, Biden and the then president of um, 
president, his, his name was of Afghanistan, President Ghani, G-H-A-N-I. And so what happened was Biden makes a speech. And back to my factions within the government, the faction that's not on Biden's side, very quickly, they call, he, this one guy's calling him Team 1 and Team 2. But anyway, very quickly um, released, um, in this, and I'll just tell you how this guy from, to make it easier to explain the story, the guy from Treehouse talked about him. Team 1 is the State Department, the CIA, and the Intel community. So State Department, CIA, Intel community, they're on one, Team 1, he calls them. Team 2, Biden, the White House, the Pentagon, the National Security Council, they're on Team 2. So these are these people you like to think sitting back in your little you know farm in Iowa wherever you are that they're all just government working together. They're not. They're competing and attacking each other. So Biden tries to say, hey, you know, we, we didn't know we had no idea that the Taliban was so powerful. We thought we left in place a government. And everyone's gonna be cool. And I, I mean, he makes his speech and he's saying, claiming basically no one saw the collapse of the Afghan government coming. And therefore, what happened shortly after that was. Reuters, Reuters released a transcript, which was leaked to them, of a presidential phone call between Biden and this Afghani short-lived President Ghani. I mean, he died. I mean, he short-lived as left Afghanistan. Uh, President Ghani, in which, in the call, Biden, this is from July 23rd, I think, yeah, July 23rd. Biden is talking to him and saying, hey, you know, uh, everyone realize there's a perception out there that Taliban is really strong and, and they, may, they might take over. And, and all Biden's concerned about is saying to Ghani, um, he says, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. So Biden realized in July I mean, as much as he realized anything, but he realized that the Taliban is, is, is a huge threat. He's trying to have this conversation with Ghani, but instead of saying, how can we buttress you? How can we help you? He goes on to say, there is a need, whether it is true or not, there's a need to project a different picture. He's saying to Ghani, can you, can you help me with a pretend here? We'll try to get out to the world and do this big pretend showing, hey, yeah, you know. Uh, everything is cool. Taliban's under control. So number one, Biden lied when he says that he had no idea. Who knew the Taliban was? He, he knew in July and everyone in the world knew, you know, that, that the Taliban's really strong. Um, and then, uh, but, you know, he's, he tries to do this press conference. He's undermined by people in his own, not his team, uh, by Team One, which is the State Department, CIA and the Intel community leaking. So making a liar out of him for what he had to say. Um, at the press conference, and I'm not just saying this really necessarily just to mock Biden. I'm, I mean, I, I don't like him. I think I think he's not until I think he's suffering dementia at some degree. I think he has no business being in the White House. I think that means other people are running our country. Who the heck knows who that is? I always tell you people. I think it's Obama, Soros, uh, Valerie Jarrett, a bunch of these people, and the leftist Marxist cabal in this country who are really running it, calling Joe every day, say, do this, don't do that, say this. So they're, they're trying to orchestrate him. But you have you know Biden lying and being exposed by um, his own people in his own alleged government. Um, but you also have this broader perception of what happens in the world when the president comes out and says, we had no idea the Taliban. I mean, who knew they would do anything? I, I mean, it's 
absurdity, but you also have people in the world looking at him, looking at Biden, looking at America, and saying, who in the heck is control, in control of this country? You know, what is going on over there? I want to read you something. Uh, this is a, um, a truly remarkable thing that was um, sent to me. This is by um, someone who's trying to um, basically make the point about um, how much America was hurt by the way we withdrew from Afghanistan. So Afghanistan's U.S.-backed government collapses on August 15th. Beijing, you know, our arch enemy, China, is mocking, as you might imagine, mocking Biden. But listen to this. In Russia, the state media, they are mocking uh, Afghans' debacle, spillover, and, and, but we're still worried about it. But this is put out by Margarita Simonia, editor-in-chief of Russia's uh, RT broadcaster. Here's what she had to say. The moral of the story is don't help the stars and stripes. They'll just hump you and dump you. Now, she's obviously being crass, but she's making the point. Russia, China, every, every power in the world frothing for more power in the world are watching America, realizing we're weak, Biden's weak, Biden will capitulate, Biden gives Afghanistan to you know, China's you know, charging in. I, I mean, they see weakness. And then they see, even out of our own government, they see Biden can't even make a speech to the American people without some aspect, some piece of his own government saying, hey, mm, liar, liar, pants on fire. Yes, you did know, Biden, you knew back in July the Taliban was ready to pounce. That's why you're trying to tell the president to pr falsely prop up and pretend that the government's really in place. I mean, just that the whole thing makes America look weak. And I'll close up because we're pretty much out of time today and I want to try to honor our timing here today. I want to make this point about all of this. I, as you might imagine, I don't respect the Biden administration. I don't believe they were legitimately elected. I believe they are not operating out of the best interests to serve the best interests of the American people. I think Biden, via Hunter Biden, and others in the Biden clan are compromised by China. They have taken millions, if not billions, from China in a variety of ways, and they are, as many people have been saying, are owned by China. This makes him, all by itself, him, Biden, inept and incompetent and ineligible president. You compound that with the Marxist ideology that has now overtaken the Democrat Party. So whether they call their ideas Marxist, the agenda, the policies they're pushing, and I just did a whole litany yesterday of the kind of policies they're pushing are Marxist. America is seen as around the world as collapsing. America the free, America the country that was the the beacon of liberty, the example of the idea from our very founding that actually people have rights to live in freedom and actually in America, we built a country around those ideas. That at this moment is being mocked and ridiculed around the world because they see America weakened by the Biden administration, weakened by the entire cabal that is surrounding them and really running everything, weakened by the policies, weakened by the fact we don't have a border anymore, we don't even have a sovereign nation anymore, and watching America collapse. And this is, my friends, intentional. This is the outcome of the ideological war we've been fighting for decades and is now coming to a head. America weakening, faltering, surrendering our border, surrendering our 
our freedom, surrendering free markets, surrendering uh, everything about it, surrendering our, the fairness of our election system, all of that we're surrendering is exactly the intended outcome of the Marxists who are indeed in the midst of taking down America. I am never without hope. I will never give up on America. I will never stop defending America. I will never stop talking to you about America. I will never stop encouraging you to talk to your friends, your neighbors, your families. Wake them up to see America the Great is in peril. In peril. Every single person who understands America's unique greatness needs to be part of standing up and speaking up for America. I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And so we start our show about Chase Bank, UN, cancel Lieutenant General Flynn, uncancels him, it was a great thing, after canceling the Flynn family credit cards for reputational risk, Chase rescinds cancellation, saying it was a mistake. Unlikely Chase made a mistake. More likely, they bowed to the leftist mob, insisting on canceling Flynn, but then public outcry and maybe people not using their Chase credit cards led to pushback from other Chase customers that made a public apology necessary for Chase's overall commercial well-being. Major important takeaways from the Chase Flynn incident. American patriots have much more market clout than they realize. American patriots far outnumber leftist mobs, but patriots are not professional agitators, but we need to start to be that way. Washford continued organizing efforts among American patriots voting with their dollars. Corporate America is a weather vane. It will shift if the political winds shift. And on public communist indoctrination schools and why it matters, Project Veritas releases a video. Ernest, AP government, public school teacher, proudly proclaims desire to teach communism to seniors in high school, to persuade them to become revolutionaries against American government, and to reward them accordingly. LA Teachers Union leader speaks out. No harm from closing public schools. Students learned about consequences of attempted coup and insurrection. No big deal if a few math lessons missed. This is why homeschooling is expanding dramatically. This is why school choice initiatives are gaining broad traction throughout the country. Americans intuit the truth of America's founding ideals, and they want them taught, not distorted and denigrated by taxpayer-funded schools. And America Can We Talk Summit, you got to come. Everybody, you should come. September 18th Summit, shaping up is tremendously relevant, hugely impactful. Get your tickets now and tell your 25 best friends to do the same. You do that by going to the events.americacanwetalk.org. Great upcoming lineup of Thursday members-only show guests. September 2nd, Peter McCullough. September 9th, Alan West. September 16th, Matthew Lohmeyer. All great Americans. These are stellar American leaders at a time when leaders are in short supply. And also become a member of America Can We Talk and tune in $5 a month or $50 a year. And finally, we had Biden's team divided. Biden finishes a speech claiming that no one saw the collapse of the Afghan government coming. Within hours of Biden finishing his speech, the intel community leaks to Reuters a transcript of a July 23rd Biden call with Afghan President Ghani that suggests they both saw it coming which immediately makes Biden look like a liar to the American people. Internecine wars, battles within administrations are not new, but this is especially dangerous because no one really knows who is running the White House. And now competing factions inside the government are outing Biden's lies. This is not just a problem within America, but a further signal to the world of weakness, ineptitude, and betrayal inside America's leadership. 
America is in unprecedented times in very troubled waters. All patriots on deck needed to insist on accountability and honesty. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can We Talk? Truth About America. Can